Hello everyone, my name is Robert Winfrey, and what you're about to listen to is in fact the final, as of this recording at least, episode of Everyone Loves a Bad Guy. Little bit, uh, little bit emotional going back through some of these and coming to the end again. Now this is not the last one that we're going to re-air, there's still a few more of those to come, but in its original run, chronologically, this was the last episode. The show basically went away in November or so of 2015. For a variety of reasons, all of which are me. However, I had made a promise to a good friend of mine that there was a, there was a bit of material we had never covered that we both wanted to do. So when it basically went away, I told him, next year, when the time comes, you and I will tackle this. So, leading to on October 28th of 2016, after almost a year off... Uh, in, you know, essentially cancellation, a special one-of return, again, as of this recording, one-of return, myself and Benjamin J. Cologne got together and got to geek out over the Simpsons Treehouse of Horror. He and I are both very well-documented Simpsons fans and Simpsons nerds, and we had not discussed, on Everyone Loves a Bad Guy, the Treehouse of Horror annual tradition. <laughs> Oh, that's a uh, a gag that comes from one of the episodes. Actually, a yearly, uh, an annual custom that became a, a yearly custom that became an annual tradition. I believe is the exact wording. So this is the two of us getting together and talking about our favorite shorts and how the villainy that goes into any of the individual episodes and shorts plays into the overall themes and just having a good time talking about The Simpsons. Uh, I, I'm very glad that if that does remain the last episode of that show, uh, it went out on a high note. It was talking with Ben about that was a lot of fun, uh, and The Simpsons: Treehouse of Horror is, of course, a wonderful bit of subject matter to cover anyway. So, yeah, that was the last one, man. All right, um, not to become overly maudlin. So back to your regularly scheduled shilling. Uh, if you could please help out the pro the podcast by giving us a like, comment, subscribe, share, star rating, written review, personal recommendation, anything that you can do to help out the show in that respect is always and eternally appreciated. Another way you can help out the show if you don't feel like doing any of that is supporting our sponsors. We have a couple of them over here. First up, Grammarly. For you listeners of the W2M network, Grammarly is offering a free download of the Grammarly software. Grammarly's AI-powered products help people communicate more effectively. Grammarly helps you write mistake-free on Gmail, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and nearly anywhere else you write on the web. Grammarly corrects hundreds of grammar, punctuation, and spelling mistakes, while also catching contextual errors, improving your vocabulary, and suggesting style improvements. To download Grammarly today, go to getgrammarly.com slash W2M network. Again, that's getgrammarly.com slash W2M network to download Grammarly for free. Also supporting the podcast is Amazon Music. If you would like a free, completely free, 30 days of the Amazon Music Unlimited service, we've got your back. Go to getamazonmusic.com slash W2M network and you will get a free 30 days of ad-free access to the 70 million-plus songs and podcasts and audio, other audio uh, properties that are that is available on Amazon Music. It's a great service, and after 30 days, if you decide it's worth it, you can start paying and keep it. If you decide it's not, you've lost nothing, 
at all. You've just gained a free 30 days of access to all of that content. So, if you could please support either of those, either at the either typing in the links or going to the links in the description below, there will be links to both of those uh, down in the description of the podcast. If you could support those, very much appreciated. With all of that out of the way, oh, last bit of note here. Um, there's a bit of audio issue with uh, parts of Ben's uh, call when he calls in. It goes, but it goes to the relationship between Skype and uh, blog talk, which was, I think, at its best abusive. Um, I've tried fixing it a few different ways. I've not been able to find anything that smooths it out, and I don't want to cut off the start of every sentence he tr- he says. <laughs> so, uh, just be aware of that. That's why that was part of the reason we switched services, anyway. So, I thank you for your patience and bearing with that. With all that out of the way. Past me with the last episode of Everyone Loves a Bad Guy. Take it away. substantial lag time between my click my interaction with blog talk and the actual response hello everyone and welcome to a very special edition of everyone loves a bad guy i'm robert winfrey i'm your host this used to be a weekly show it's been on hiatus for a while for a variety of reasons mostly personal but i was reminded a little bit earlier this month of a promise that i had made to a friend of mine to do one of these on the Simpsons Treehouse of Horror Villains. Uh, for those of you who don't know, I used to, uh, I did a show previously with Mark Radlich talking specifically about the Simpsons. And the reality is, I mean, look, there are Simpsons podcasts out there for people who just talk about the Simpsons. Um, and I have one episode under my belt as far as talking about them goes. And specifically focusing on, you know, the villainous aspects of various characters and, you know, some characters who are not villains who are just, you know, weird or incompetent or somewhat buffoonish. So if you're interested, you can go back into the archives 
on Blog Talk Radio or iTunes, and you can find that episode. Mark and I wax poetic about The Simpsons. Uh, Tonight, however, instead of a general overlook, we're going to be talking specifically about, again, The Simpsons Treehouse of Horror, their annual Halloween episodes, the yearly custom that became an annual tradition. Uh, In no small part because, again, a good friend of mine who we are trying to get on the show right now, uh, but blog talk is notoriously difficult to work with at times, so hopefully he should be joining us in the near future. Uh, but we'll be just looking at those, again, the Halloween episodes. Um, so thank you all for tuning in. I, I, this, this show had a very, a smaller fan base, but apparently a rather devoted one, as when I announced that we were doing this one, I got some pretty positive feedback from you know, those involved. So uh, for those of you who might be joining us for the first time, uh, this show, I'll give a little background, because again, the show's been on hiatus for a uh, this show focuses specifically on looking at villainous characters, looking at different story archetypes, different intellectual properties, specific stories, through spe- again, through the prism of the villains, the importance of a good villain to narrative cohesion, uh, things of that nature specifically, because I've had a bit of a fascination with them <laughs> uh, since I was a small child, and... That's kind of what spawned this show. And you can find all the, the beauty of on-demand audio. You can find all of the previous shows in the archive. So by all means, uh, go ahead and look them back up. Okay, and now we've got him. Uh, my a friend of mine who I've done several podcasts with, uh, including one yesterday, the author, publisher, artist behind Soul Exodus. The It's a, a comic. I believe you can find it at soulexo.com title card artist for The Long Road to Ruin, and just an all-around swell human being. Uh, Benjamin J. Colon is with us. Uh, how you doing, Benjamin? You finally got the email invites, apparently. Yeah, both of them. <laughs> Yay, blog talk. Time. Yay, blog talk. Well, you get what you pay for, and I don't pay for this at all. <laughs> the, the the capital investment is solely Mark Radlich up to this point, so. No. Uh, all right. How you doing? You doing okay? Um, I mean, we talked to each other last night, so it's not like there's a wealth of information to catch up on. Uh, there's so much that can happen in 24 hours. Very true. Um, I'm, I'm relatively good. Uh, just uh, got back from the gym, so uh, I'm a little bad. I'm appropriately uh, adrenalized. Oh, that's good. All right. Uh, you mentioned to me, you know, last year around the same time that you wanted, uh, you know, we should do this one specifically on the Simpsons Treehouse of Horror. Uh, if nothing else, I should probably get another episode of just the Simpsons look out of it because the last one that Mark and I did didn't cover nearly as much territory as I expected it to. But you know, the Simpsons is a surprisingly deep intellectual property at times. So. Uh, yeah, your your Simpsons geekdom probably exceeds my own, and that's saying something. I'm a substantial fan, so uh, maybe a little bit of your background on the Simpsons and why you really wanted to you know talk about the Treehouse of Horror episodes. Um, I am you know I've been a Simpsons geek you know since I was a very very little kid since the Tracy Ullman days. Uh, I have uh, I remember very specifically watching the very first episode of the show. Uh, and I've been watching, for better or worse, ever since. Not as religiously as I used to, but um, you know, uh, one of the things that uh, that I used to do, first of all, watching the show in syndication kind of helped my uh, my get them along. And then, you know, when DVD became a thing, uh, you know, I got a box set of all of my favorite seasons, which is pretty much the first ten. 
and one thing I took to doing a lot was actually, uh, you know, just pretty much throwing them in the DVD player while I was drawing, while I, while I draw. So uh, for most of my projects and most of the comics that I've done, uh, there's usually a substantial amount of time uh, of that production spent also watching The Simpsons. Um, so it's kind of subliminal at this point. Uh, Treehouse of Horror uh, is always good for, especially the early ones, always good for, for a laugh. Um, uh, some of the best episodes they've ever produced. Uh, and honestly, uh, the first time you and Mark did, you know, did this, the regular Simpsons episode of Everyone Loves a Bad Guy, it actually uh, kind of inspired me to seek out a bunch of other Simpsons podcasts, um, which I now listen to as regularly as possible. Uh, one of them, uh, you know, shout out to Worst Episode Ever podcast, um, who uh, reviews uh, actually post-classic Simpsons episodes and uh, kind of ranks them and, you know, kind of dissects them. And they're also based out of New York City, so they actually host the uh, Simpsons trivia night that I've started going to monthly uh, since the beginning of this year and that I actually just won first place at for the first time this month. So shout out to those guys. Congratulations. Thanks. Okay, um, let's start out here. Uh, I know you you and I both have lists of our favorite villains from the Treehouse of Horror episodes. And for those of you who, this is going to sound really stupid and is probably entirely unnecessary. But for those of you who have never seen an episode of The Simpsons Treehouse of Horror. uh, Get out. (laughs) Get out. Yeah, just, I don't want you to listen. Your money's no good to me. Just, you're dead to me. Uh, No, I'm... They're comprised of three shorter episodes, uh, three shorter stories that make up the whole of the episode. Uh, there are some good, there are some bad. Again, Benjamin and I both have lists of our favorite villains from those that have a substantial amount of overlap, uh, which is fine and dandy. Uh, there's uh, because you know the good ones are really good. But uh, before we get into that, I'm curious: uh, Do you have like a top five? Uh, favorite shorts, not just you know full episodes, but you know, individual shorts from the from the series that you really that I you know just speak to you personally that you always get a laugh out of. Well, certainly, uh, I think uh, at least three of them would come out of Treehouse of Horror Five because that's <laughs> that that's is pretty the, much the best. That that's pretty much widely considered. There are, there are a few people that'll you know try to scalp you if you don't. If you don't agree that that's the best tree has or it's um, that's kind of the murderer's row of uh, Simpsons uh, Halloween specials. It's uh, the Shinning, which I'm sure we'll get into. Uh, was it Time and Punishment and, and Nightmare uh, Cafeteria? Nightmare Cafeteria, which is underrated. A lot of people consider that the weakest one. I think it's at least as good as the other two. I'd completely agree with that. Uh, anytime Skinner goes full blown evil, I'm always happy. It's it's worth it just for Skinner's school crossing apron. That's so true. Uh, Lunch Lady Doris coming out wielding the egg beaters is, in maniacal fashion is always good for a laugh. Yeah, and that, uh, that's also the one that ends with the fog that turns people inside out, right? Which is possibly the goriest thing they've ever done. I, I, I always laugh at that because of Marge's hair's anatomy. I'm going to have to go back and look at that again. No, yeah, she... Her hair is not hair after she turns inside out. It apparently is like... 
has a full muscular structure that goes up into it, which actually explains the physics behind her hairdo. Sure. I'm sure they had some fun animating that. Oh, that's also the one where Willie gets uh, the axe in every single episode. One of the best running gags ever. I mean, it starts out fair enough and because The Shining being, of course, a play on The Shining, which I actually saw a couple of nights ago for uh, Fathom Events did a re-release of several movies. You know, they do every month. And The Shining was one of their ones for October, so I got to see that in theaters. Uh, slightly different experience on the big screen. It's been a, it's been a number of years since I've seen it, and I kind of wanted to do that for a, I wanted to do that before. I'm gonna have to try to catch that one time that's playing on in an actual theater. Yeah, there's a, a lot of the uh, exteriors in particular. I mean, this was you know back before movies were shot to be seen on your computer or iPod screen, so yeah, uh, so they, they look very cool. Nice. If we're going to talk, I've, I've given you three. If we're going to talk, you know, the, you know, two more, uh, you'd probably cut me off right now if I didn't mention The Devil and Homer Simpson, because I know that's, I, I don't, I don't know, know if that's your asked. favorite single favorite. I don't know if that's your single favorite one. It is, it is not my single favorite one, but it is certainly top five, if not top three. It's and, not my favorite, but I've never argued with anyone who's ever mentioned that it's probably the best. And um, last one, uh, depending on when you, what day you catch me on, it'll either be, uh, you know, the the uh, Nightmare on Ever- Evergreen Terrace, just because I'm, you know, fans of Long Road to Ruin. Know we're both big Freddy Krueger fans too, and uh, and Day of the Dolphin, which I think gets kind of overlooked because it's a little later in the, you know, what's considered the classic Simpsons, but it's also gory as hell too. Like if you go back and watch that, it's really Shockingly, groups of uh, drowned clowns. Uh, yeah, Night of the Dolphin is the final installment from the eleventh, uh, excuse me, from the eleventh Treehouse of Horror. No. Uh, the other two aren't terribly great. You have Ghost Dad and uh, Scary Tales Can Come True, yeah. which have their, you know, they're both, they both have their moments. Uh, the Witch from Scary Tales usually gives me a laugh or two, and of course Homer. Ooh, fish. Oh wait, my head's made of fish. <laughs> I, uh, I I can't remember if somebody told me that, that somebody had actually gotten that as a tattoo at one point, or maybe I'm thinking of, like, Fishball. I can't remember. Like, Either of them. I imagine there's several people who have the instilled the animation procedure that led to the Mr. Sparkle icon. Yeah. Uh, there's various. There's various Tumblr sites and uh, Instagram pages that, you know, completely dedicated to... Uh, the Simpsons tattoos. One of these days, I'll probably, you know, I'll probably go down that rabbit hole. But. <laughs> hey, look, as long as uh, the first one you get is the Devil Ned Flanders, we're good. Well, I'm talking about just, you know, just looking at one. Getting man, if I ever get a Simpsons tattoo, uh, it's, I'm spoiled for choice, which means it'll probably take me like 20 years to decide. Uh, that's true. Uh, now, ironically enough, one of the lesser uh, respected, I think, episodes of Treehouse of Horror is probably, and again, my answer about what's my favorite will alter depending on the day. It tends to vacillate between Dial Z for zombies, because I'm a sucker for zombies, first and foremost. You killed the zombie Flanders. He was a zombie. He was a zombie. Always <laughs> gets me. Every single time. Uh, and the fact that he actually hesitates to shoot Barney. And they're going to Barney, not you two. I'm not a zombie, but, you know, when in Rome. Wow, George Washington. <laughs> Take All that, Washington. Eat lead, Einstein. Show's over, Shakespeare. 
Is this the end of Zombie Shakespeare? Yeah, we, uh, you were saying. I think I have an. I think I know what you're what you're about to say, but guys. <laughs> I was just gonna go with Zombie Shakespeare too. Um, that and the other thing, the other kick I always get out of Dial G for zombies is the uh, the words that Bart uses in his various mystical incantations are uh, arranged into I think triptychs, which always have these funny when you when you catch them they're always amusing. The one that turns Lisa into a snail, for example, is three famous TV sidekicks. Oh right. Uh, I know I knew Dano from Hawaii Five O. That's the only that's the last thing that he says that I that I don't um, remember. One of the other one is Banachek and I can't remember the first one, but no, there's three of those. The one that final the final one that uh no, they're they're four. Right. Yeah, not three, sorry, I misspoke. The the fact that the one that finally puts them all back into the graves is uh, like what is it, Trojan Ram Trojan, uh, Trojan Ram Magnum Sheik. How did I get some of those things past the censors, especially at Fox for the time period? Kind of amuses me. I imagine they just weren't paying enough attention. It was Fox in the you know in the very early '90s. They put anything on. That's true. And for those of us who were alive and watching Fox in the early '90s, there's a there's another Simpsons gag that pertains to that. The uh, oh 123rd episode spectacular. I seem something like that where they actually just pitch various spinoffs in the guise of a celebratory episode. And they jokingly show the Fox calendar, which consists of the X-Files on Sunday, uh, the Simpsons, and then a whole lot of nothing. I think Melrose Place was the only other thing on there, and then, yeah, a bunch of question marks on the rest of the, the, on the, rest of the calendar. Yeah, because this was after they had canceled Married with Children, you, which still boggles my mind that they just did that out of the blue between seasons. Like, come on. That's, <laughs> <laughs> Married with Children is, one of the, is what built Fox. I mean, fundamentally it, speaking, I believe it was the first show when the when the network aired when the network first aired. It was the first show they aired. On the I plus side, to... every now and then I hear rumors about a Netflix revival of like Married with Grandchildren, and I just uh, mm. I get so happy. <laughs> I don't know. I think it kind of ran its course by the time it ended, but uh, I guess that's debatable. Uh, I take I take like one season with you know uh, mostly because. Sons of Anarchy showed me Katie Seagal in a completely different light, and I now want to laugh at her again. And you know, Ed Harris is consistently great. Christina, App- Christina Applegate could use you, right? Uh, I'm not sure what she's up to. David Faustino probably could. Uh, that's the truth. Uh, and anyway, the other episode that I really like, and I like it for the most random reason, uh, is the Omega Man. Okay. And it, a lot. Of, it's not highly thought of by the majority of people. But there are two reasons that I really get a kick out of that episode. One is a scene that actually gets cut from most rebroadcasts, where Homer goes to the movie theater, right? And he steals popcorn from like one of the bodies that's next to him, and he obnoxiously yells to a very tall skeleton in front of him, "Down in front!" and then kicks its head off, and it rolls into the aisle. And as someone who went to to theaters before studio or stadium seating became a thing. Watching Homer kick someone much taller than him simply to get a better view is oddly cathartic. Well, as somebody who is fairly short and has had that happen to me routinely at the movies, yeah, I can see that. Uh, him punching Milhouse's father in the head after he's dead, having it explode, and then just, <laughs> still got it. Maybe a little light punching will move your ass. <laughs> uh, the other thing, and this is the most random thing ever, Homer's naked dance through the church. 
because it occurred to me just the last time I rewatched that episode, it was on television not too long ago. You know, if I ever do survive any kind of major explosion, you know, it, it, massive apocalyptic event. Now the first thing I have to do once assuring that, you know, I'm not dying is find a copy of war and dance naked in a church to it. I just, that, that image will never leave my mind. And that was something that is on my, you know, post-apocalyptic bucket list. I'm not sure if that'd be on my post-apocalyptic bucket list, but, uh, it is an interesting prospect. Oh, and uh, you know, the, the, the joke about lead paint, the fact that, Mag, the fact that Marge and Bart and Lisa all whip out shotguns and blow away the, <laughs> the skin-eating freaks. Uh, that that got me the first time I saw that. That got me, and, and you know, so, you know, to walking back to villains, the the the, uh, the mutated uh, Springfield residents are pretty good. Uh, they uh, I, lo- I always love the line, you know, you get nuts with the skin-eating. <laughs> good old Mo. Now, between all the killing and the skin eating, we just lost. We 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 forgot about the love. Ah, you always lose it with the skin eating. <laughs> and um, oh, and him swerving to hit the uh, the Winters brothers when he's driving the first home. You know, it's one of those things where here here's this here's a, a whole Simpsons hallmark of you know the Simpsons. And, and and the people, the creative people behind it, are have enough faith in their viewers to to be able to say, you know, you're not going to get all the references, uh, at least not right away. But you'll you may get them you may get them later on. You may look them up. You may come across what you know what we're referencing. I had no idea what that was referencing. I just assumed it was some, you know. It was some rock stars or something like that that just happened to be very pasty and mutant looking. So uh, that that tends to happen from time to time. You don't know, the, you know, the, the shitty is based completely around it. Like um, I know plenty of people that uh, saw the shinning first and then saw the shining, and it was kind of like a revelation to them. It's like, oh my god, this is where this is from. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I knew of The Shining, but I actually did see The Shining before I ever saw the movie because I yeah, saw The Shining as a kid. I can't remember which one I saw first. Um, I can't imagine that I saw that I saw The Shining first, mainly because at the time it was kind of hard to find, and they didn't, it was not really a thing they showed on like you know regular TV or even the cable. Uh, the Shining always kills me because, well, first of all. It's the fact that it's the Tony Awards that finally freaks them out after they're frozen. Because, uh, yeah. The, the Tony. And they call it back because they do that musical number at the end when the fog turns them inside out. That's true. They do that same musical of inter- number. There's a lot of interconnected stuff. That's why that, that episode is so great because it, it calls back a lot of things. It's also the only other appearance of James Earl's. Which That's you know, true. I know we'll talk about it at some point, right? Yeah, no, he, he is Maggie's voice for... Uh, Time and punishment uh, when she's the one who acts as Willie in the back. And by the and that was actually my team name in in trivia this this month, which was um, my team name was this is indeed a disturbing trivia night. Nice. So that was that was the team name they got me. Every they you know were encouraged to make you know to make up wacky team names based on Simpsons quotes. So that and they make a point out of, of reading them all out loud. Uh, you know. About halfway through the evening, so um, there were some Halloween themed ones. Not as many as I would have liked for you know for it being October, but 
uh, I thought, uh, you know, I had to think fast because uh, actually that day I was literally coming from Comic Con to, uh, you know, Barry Park in Brooklyn, which is where they were hold where they hold trivia night, uh, and. You know, I was starving. I was trying to inhale a chicken sandwich and at the same time, like, listen to trivia and trying to think of a Halloween theme name and uh, cursing them in in advance if they didn't show Citizen Kang uh, because <laughs> they show they show episodes of the show in between trivia rounds. Um, there couldn't be a more perfect episode of Treehouse of Horror at this point in time than and, Citizen Kang. That's what I said, and I and. I was ready to like, you know, I was ready to, you know, lead a revolt if that, if, if they didn't show it. I'm like, if you, this is the easiest softball you will ever get. Cause they do like, they do say they like to stay topical uh, from time to time. Uh, oh yeah. For those of you who have never seen Citizen Kang, watch it. It's about the 96 presidential election in the United States. Where Kang America and flips a coin. <laughs> where Kang and Kodos take over. Uh, they abduct and then impersonate Bill Clinton and Bob Dole. And right before the election, they're exposed by Homer as being aliens. And they both just kind of look out at the gathered audience and the members of the press and go, yeah, we're aliens, but what are you going to do? It's a two-party system. You have to vote for one of us. Well, I believe I'll vote for a third-party candidate. <laughs> sure, throw your vote away. I mean, really, they could just release that again, that whole episode, substitute Hillary and Trump for... Clinton and Dole, and then just have Gary Johnson punch out the box hat instead of Ross Perot. And you've got the same thing. It still works. <laughs> Don't blame me. Yeah, I voted for Kodos. Is that, that, uh, that's probably as good a point as any to start talking about Kang and Kodos, even though we really have they, to peak, talk about they, they seriously peak with that episode. They do. Uh, yeah, Kang and Kodos. It, it's weird that of all the enduring kind of running gags the Simpsons have, and there are many to varying degrees of success. Kang and Kodos showing up every Halloween, even if it's just for a cameo, and they actually complain. I forget which episode, but there's one that for a couple of years they were reduced to just cameos, and they actually complained on the phone to their agent about having another cameo. And they get an offer to do uh, commercials for Old Navy, which they accept. Work is work. Uh, so Kang and Kodos, I mean, they actually poke fun at themselves. You know, what do aliens have to do with Halloween? But they appeared in the first ever Treehouse of Horror as uh, in Hungry Are the Damned in a play on a famous Twilight Zone episode. Damn good uh, episode, too. Damn good Twilight Zone episode, too. Unfortunately, I saw Kang and I saw Hungry Are the Damned first. So when we got, I actually saw the episode, I was like, oh, wait a minute. I know where this yeah. is going, but yeah, it is. It, what a, that's, the Twilight a lot of that Zone comes has in. highs and lows. That's one of the highs. A lot, yeah, a lot of that's going to come up. Like, you. Uh, anybody listening, we're going to, that, that we'll be saying that a lot where I, you know, I saw the Simpsons episode first and then I saw the thing they parodied and it, it's different watching. It makes them funnier sometimes once you actually get all the references. Uh, so I'm, so for you, Kang and Kodos, how do the, you know, the tentacled aliens, the intergalactic Unitarians, <laughs> quantum Presbyterians, I think they said, quantum Oh, you know, as a as an LDS guy, the ep the line in Starship Poopers where they show up at the they ring the doorbell. Homer answers the door, sees the two green aliens, and goes, "Mormons." Uh, it might just be a cultural thing, but as a Mormon, I always get a chuckle out of that. Mm, it's good. It's good to laugh, and uh, you know, 
at a time tested joke at your expense or the expense of your uh, of your uh Oh yeah, you gotta have humor about your belief system to varying. Uh yeah, it's the alternative is not pretty, so hey. No, and the fact that they've mocked all, you know, they. I wonder which religion is right. Well, and it's not the Unitarians, that's for. Or the yeah. the episode, so the episode where Marge wants the doorbell rung, and oh look, Jehovah's Witnesses are coming up. This is a sure they're gonna ring the doorbell, and they stop like right before they push it and go. Do you ever think that maybe we're annoying people in their homes? Wow, I'd never thought of that. Yeah, let's go do something else. <laughs> yeah, I remember. Uh, Simpsons is. At least in the early days, you know, it's usually pretty equal opportunity when it comes to to poke and fun at religion. Um, they're a little yeah, less subtle about it these days, but... Well, that's because most of the writers these days come from the school of thought of, you know, Family Guy is awesome. And, uh, yeah, no. Yeah. But, we're, anyway, Kang we're and not here to talk about funny that. gag. You know, yeah. and they are frequently antagonists. Uh, when they're featured, uh, you know... And the first appearance of James Earl Jones doing a voice in uh, on on The Simpsons uh, Treehouse of Horror, he does double duty in that in that Treehouse of Horror episode, uh, the Raven and Sirach uh, the Preparer. <laughs> He's Sirach, yeah. I slaved for hours over a hot stove to feed you people. It's a hell of a thing if you really think about it. Like James Earl Jones is performing a vo- the voice of a slobbering alien cook in one segment of an animated show and this was around 1991 or 92 when that was you know not common and in the next he's reciting a classic Edgar Allan Poe poem uh that became you know a lot of people consider that you know an iconic moment that made Treehouse of Horror what it was uh the guy has range is what I'm saying uh, I compl- oh I completely agree uh for up until about eight or nine months ago, honestly, and, and this sounds weird, but up until very, very recently, that reading of The Raven from this first Simpsons Treehouse of Horror was my favorite reading of The Raven, just flat, period, full stop. And I found one that Christopher Lee did uh, not too long before his passing, and that managed to supplant it as 1A, and now James Earl Jones and Dan Castellaneta are 1B. And now I will be writing that down to look for later. Christopher uh, Lee Raven. It is the final uh, random things that I follow. There's a uh, podcast group, mostly pod, some podcasts. I'm just uh, radio theater called uh, Chilling Tales for Dark Nights. Which, if you're into horror stories, I recommend. They do a really good job. Uh, if you need just something to listen to, their YouTube playlist is extensive. They've been doing this for a couple of years. They have a podcast. Uh, that's pretty good. Uh, it's, it's again radio theater uh, with a horror bent more often than not. I'll take and, a look uh, at it. I, or so, yeah, one of their final episodes. To... One of the final, the final segment of one of their Halloween episodes, something like that, was uh, Christopher Lee reading of the Raven. I just sold. I'm done. I'll check that out. I tend to consider myself like podcast poison because any podcast I start listening to, they either like stop making new episodes or they reduce their schedule drastically. Uh, I'm, I know intellectually that's not me, but it always seems like that, like I jump on the bandwagon right when they're, you know, slowing down. I try not to take yeah. it personally, but. So apart from, uh, you know, Citizen Kang, what are some of your other favorite moments from Kang and Kodos? Uh, because again, as far as antagonists go, they have some pretty good moments. Uh, one of the other times that they actually invade, uh, 
that they actually invade Earth is, uh, and I, f- I forget if it even has a title, but the Monkey's Paw episode where they, uh, <laughs> your superior intellect is no match for our puny weapons. Run! He's got a board with an arrow in it. <laughs> and that's <laughs> like, you know, as far as, you know, sometimes the Simpsons are kind of effortless when it comes to satire, and sometimes they can do it without even trying and uh, the whole speech at the end where, you know, we were thwarted by this board with the nail, but they won't stop there. They'll make bigger boards and bigger nails until sooner or later they'll make a board with a nail and it's so big it'll destroy them all. Um, that's hilarious, but it's also really sad that it's kind of nails human behavior in just the simplest terms possible. And it's one of those things where you laugh to keep from crying because it's so spot on that you don't want to think of, think about it too much. That's true. You really don't want to. No, yeah, I completely agree. <laughs> by the way, humans, you're just going to keep going until you can actually wipe yourselves out, by the way. Uh, I, I always get a kick out of that as, in it, as I think it's Kang who's running away. Or no, it's Kodos because Kang's the one who actually like has the scepter and sash. As he's running away saying, ah, he's got a board with a nail on it. Mo comes running right behind him because it's always Mo. <laughs> is wielding those kind of things. You're and he always says in the Mo. Mo. And he's it's usually Mo. That that has to be a that has to be a hashtag that needs to get started. <laughs> you always Mo. Um but as he's running after him he says and just and I don't know which of them voices Mo, but just in a pitch perfect kind of just like angry, you know, pseudo impotent, you know, like just found my power kind of way. Enslave humanity, will ya? <laughs> Good times. Um, trying to think, uh, Starship Poopers was kind of a, kind of a low point. Uh, it wasn't a bad episode. It wasn't a bad, uh, short. It's just, um, and it had, it, it had its moments in the grand scheme of things. As far as like Kang and Kodos episodes, it wasn't, wasn't the best. Um, my favorite part of that was just, uh, one of them, like, and I believe it was Kang cause that's the one that knocked up Marge. Um, that he just starts mowing down the Jerry Springer audience with the disintegrator beam. <laughs> just the look on his face, like the, the gleeful, you know, look on his face as he's doing it, and then everybody just get, is just completely vaporized. Hang on, Kang. You can't intimidate my audience with your fancy ray gun, followed by him just vaporizing the entire crowd. Now for my final thought. Oh, yeah. I I agree as far as the episode goes. It's it's not great. It feels like that whole short was a setup for the Jerry Springer segment. But at least the it Jerry was. Springer segment is funny. Somebody needs to learn your great ass of manners. <laughs> As someone who was forced to watch Jerry Springer in the break room when I was working at Kmart, which oh, is not man. a fate I wish. Working at Kmart is not a fate I wish on many people. But I've never subscribed to the theory of I wouldn't wish x on my worst enemy that just means you don't understand the concept of a worst enemy because you want bad things to happen fair enough but uh it it nailed not just the audience segments but there's that one cutaway right after that little bit where homer's just kind of nodding and clapping and i've again as someone who had been forced to watch jerry springer more than once like no i've seen that entirely too often Someone makes a point that someone on stage agrees with, and they do exactly that. That's self that self satisfied like nod of you know somebody. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Somebody's on my side. And 
And of course it's Homer. <laughs> of course. Uh, the other, since it's Kang and Kodos, the other uh, one of theirs that I found somewhat in, uh, somewhat interesting. Uh, well, they appear at the end of The Day the Earth Looked Stupid, which is a parody of uh, the H.G. Wells' War of the Worlds issue. And after he parodies the Earth being invaded, and now, you know, in the in a homage to the boy who cried wolf, no one will believe him once Kang and Kodos actually do invade. And see, I don't think I've seen that one actually. That's probably is that that's got to be a later one then. Uh, it's from seventeen. It's along with Married to the Blob, and you got to know when to Golem. So it's a weaker I, entry. I know, I know, no one to Golem. I know that one, but um, it's been a while, unfortunately. I I tried to I, I stuck with a lot of the classics. I tried to venture out into the into the later ones, uh, but I'll take your word for it. Um, and I'll probably watch it. I'll probably check it out in a little while when I'm done here. Uh, but the other time I think they feature prominently was in E.T. Go Home, uh, where one of them crashes and is befriended by Bart in a you know a sick parody of E.T. and he wants to invade the Earth and he sort of succeeds in getting his and getting uh, and opening the portal to his dimension, but the military is waiting for them and just mows them down as they're coming in through that choke point. Yeah, that one I do remember. It was uh it started out as a pretty good parody of ET. Um I'm not sure, I'm not sure if it ended as promisingly as it started, but no, uh, it didn't. And I actually haven't seen uh the other one that I know they're featured in, uh which is 22, uh the their parody of Avatar. Oh, that one. Yeah, no, I heard that one was got off. I know the only other one that I see was that it's not a Halloween episode we did I think last year or the year before where it's actually in real Simpsons continuity, if, if Simpsons has any kind of continuity at all. Um, oh, the one where they show up at his roast? No, that, that well, that one was kind of out of it, too. There was There's an actual episode called The Man Who Came to Be Dinner about a, maybe last season or the season before that where it's not a Halloween episode and it's not a dream and it's not anything. They literally abduct the Simpsons. And I don't, I haven't seen all of it. I've heard reviews of it and, and, you know, once again, you know, worst episode ever did an episode about it. Um, That's the extent of my knowledge of it. I heard it's not great, which is unfortunate because one of my favorite uh, writers of the show uh, wrote it. So that's kind of a bummer. I'll have to look that one up now. Uh, because uh, King and Kodos, again, they're always good for a, a laugh to one degree or another. I like how one of them is definitely female, but, like, we, we're never entirely sure. Well, it's supposed to be Kodos. This is my sister, Kodos. Uh, I'm told in one of the Simpsons games, it's one of the Simpsons video games, it's actually confirmed that Kodos is female. Oh, yeah, there's King and Kodos are always great. Uh, all right. There's two that I feel kind of go hand in hand that I want to talk about, because I remember this one's on your list. Uh, the 50-foot eyesore. Yes. Uh, oh, yeah. There's one that deals within that, kind of in that same realm that, like so many Simpsons episodes, has bits that are, so many later Simpsons episodes, especially in the Triassic War, have, has bits that are very good and then just kind of falls off a cliff. They don't know how to end it. Uh, in this case, uh, how to get ahead in advertising, where advertising agents hire Homer to kill celebrities so they can use their likeness without paying them royalties. I remember that episode, but 
I very specifically, I don't remember everything about that episode. I remember Chief Wiggum and Edward G. Robinson actually having a gunfight. That that's the only so that's the main thing I, rec- I remember about that because it was like it's the most obvious joke you can make, but it's like I, you'd also it's one of those things where I'd also be upset if they didn't do it. There's nothing wrong with going obvious. So anyway, uh, the fifty foot eyesores from uh, the short entitled "Attack of the Fifty Foot Eyesores." It's a play on various uh, you know B classic you know B style horror movies where a meteor passes through and then strange things happen. In this case giant, you know, advertising agents, uh, not agencies, giant advertising uh, props and whatnot come to life and start laying waste to things. So what is it about both them and uh, that episode? What are some of your highlights from that? What, uh, what, you know, what do you want to talk about when it pertains, as it pertains to them? Well, it's, it's probably the finest moment for Lard Lad, first of all. Um, Homer's complete overreaction to getting a, a donut smaller than he expected is, you know, as, as the whole starting point of that is great. Um, and, I paid and, and for a actually, colossal donut and I will have a colossal donut. And the thing is, it's like, they're not, con- they're not just content to show, they're not just content to have him steal it because obviously, you know, you, you know, Homer stealing a giant, you know, a gigantic metal donut begs the question of what the hell is he going to do with it when he gets it and then they show what he does with it and he's just laying it in his living room <laughs> I acquired oh, man, it legally I, I don't know but I, you can be sure I acquired it legally the first time the lard lads boy comes looking for his donut oh I know what you're thinking but it wasn't me it was Flanders he's got it the next thing you hear is it trashing Flanders house and Flanders ah, help me lord and then it comes back I told you Flanders has it oh how about Mo? yeah go kill Mo. in between that is, is my probably my favorite line in the whole thing which is he came to life good for him just <laughs> <laughs> a blase response uh there's a lot. There's a lot of that in some of these. Um, in, in in a lot of the Halloween episodes, some of the some of the humor in the Halloween episodes is are just sometimes these horrible or fantastical things that happen and people's complete non-reactions to them. And I'm sure, uh, you know, we'll get into. The, I guess we'll get into the into the evil talking crusty doll in just a minute. But oh, that's because I love so I love the evil talking crusty so so. I have much. some things to say about that real quick, but one a uh, couple more things that the. 50-foot eyesores, um, I know because I, you know, sometimes, I've gotten to the point where I've watched some of these episodes so many times, uh, I've I've got some of the commentaries memorized even, like, that's how much I, you know, I watch some of these, so I know they had, they had this, they had to kind of walk around a, a few of the copyright issues with some of the ad icons, some of the advertising mascots that they were showing, you know, attacking and killing people. So if you notice, like, you know, Mr. Peanut is not actually um, wearing a top hat and monocle. He's wearing like a, he's wearing, I think, like a, like a college mortarboard and some glasses. And it's just, they changed him just enough to not get sued. uh, But it's obviously, you know, Mr. Peanut. And he, you know, cracks open a car like, you know, like a peanut and eats the people inside. Stuff like that. Oh, in the same vein of blase responses, uh, the Pip-Boys. Yeah, <laughs> they come to life because I think they have uh, the old Jewish guy who is actually running the store when they walk off, and they're they're. If you've never seen a Pet Boys you know, advertising piece, the heads are huge, way disproportionate to their body, 
So when they come to life, they flop over immediately. And as they're walking off, the old Jewish guy comes out and goes, hey, where are you going? Don't scratch up them heads. <laughs> Great visual. And um, and I think, you know, probably everybody's favorite takeaway from this, from this uh, episode, from this short, is the Paul Anka song, which is the big one of the biggest earworms you will ever hear and something i frequently this is this is my mantra for bad social media and it should be everybody's mantra for bad social media just don't look just don't look it works for everything yeah i've i need to find that song now so i can upload it and interrupt it For those of you who don't know, I do a movie review podcast with Mark Radlich called Damn You Hollywood. And on occasion, I have lamented there's a famous scene from the show The Critic, uh, done by the same guys who do The Simpsons, uh, where he says, if the movie's bad, just don't watch it. And I'm not, rather than upload that thing, I think from now on, I'm just going to find a copy of that song. And just anytime I'm so just put out by a film, I'm just going to play that one. It's just don't look. Oh, uh, yeah. I think my other favorite gag from that particular episode is uh, Bart Simpson being the devil on the devil's shoulder, which uh, is an an obvious gag, but... That's also, if you really think about it, that is a gigantic, like, three-dimensional advertising mascot. Like, where... Where would that actually be positioned? I don't know. I can only imagine that Springfield is closer to Vegas than anyone realized. Where, uh... I forget Homer's, uh you know homer's line at the beginning where was like where value wears a neon sombrero and there's not a school or church uh <laughs> with, to offend the eye within 300 miles or something like something wacky there's like something that something wacky like that yeah neon oh, sombrero yeah. is all neon neon sombrero is also going to be the name of my mariachi band so just keep an eye uh, out for that give me your booking information <laughs> nice we'll, we'll talk later uh, I, I do want to bring up the talking crusty doll because uh, honestly, that three set, which is uh, number three, uh, Clown Without Pity, King Homer, which has one of my favorite, that whole three set, this is the other one that along with five, if you want to argue about what's the best three set, uh, I, I stick up for number three very frequently because it's got so many great lines. Probably my favorite comes from Grandpa Simpson, though, uh, between stories. As they're trying to set up for the second one, and Homer is butchering, uh, trying to tell a scary story. Grandpa Simpson delivers two great lines. The first is, Homer, I've coughed up scarier stuff than that, which I believe. And then right. afterwards, Bart immediately goes, well, how about you tell us an inter- a story, Grandpa? You've led an interesting life. That's a damn lie, and you know it. But I have seen a lot of movies. I think everybody uh, knows an old guy that, that you know, that's very <laughs> Grandpa-esque that would probably probably say the same thing. Like you've led an interesting life. No, I haven't. <laughs> but I have absorbed a tremendous amount of fiction over the years. Mm-hmm. No, uh, the talking crusty doll. I get such a kick out of uh, that whole episode because the first time it tries to kill Homer, and everyone looks in, and Bart's response to Homer's blabbering is, "I'd say the pressure's gotten to Dad, but what pressure?" I actually uh, like that he actually he actually voluntarily pulls the string. <laughs> That's true. He's like, oh. Uh, you just pull the string. Need to, you're, you think your sweaty socks can stop me? Uh, I am getting pretty dizzy. I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but there is an actual talking crusty doll that has a switch on his back for good and evil. <laughs> of course there is. But here's the thing about that. Like I was, I was 
prepared to buy that, like seriously, when I found out about it, probably last Halloween. Um, but then I, I, I saw a review of it and they kind of screwed it up, I guess, because they didn't want, they didn't want a doll, you know, they, they didn't want an actual talking crusty doll that was actually able to say, I'm crusty the clown and I'm going to kill you. So they didn't have that. He, he, didn't, he doesn't oh. say that. Well, he doesn't say, he, yeah, he doesn't, I think he says some other like semi mean spirited quotes from the show. They're kind of. It's kind of half-assed. Like, there's not a whole lot of difference between when you, because the idea is you, he's he's supposed to say different things when you flip the switch from good to evil, um, but they're not all that much different from each other when you flip the switch from one way or the other. It's just uh, random. It, it's just a couple of random crusty quotes. I mean, the doll is cool looking, uh, but it's they kind of miss the boat on that. I, I actually tend to wonder if the if the sound chip is reprogrammable. Or if you can like kind of throw your own in there, or something, something like that. I would cool. hope so. That one also is that episode also, and I know it's not strict continuity because the Treehouse of Horror episodes aren't. But when the doll attacks Homer in the bathtub and he flees screaming, and Selma's response and uh, no Patty's response to his streaking through the kitchen is just, well, there go the last lingering threads of my heterosexuality. And a couple, and years later they paid that off. Yeah, that's kind of with my, making funny. her actually gay. Yeah, that's I, I call that unintentional continuity. I guess it's it's one of those uh, things where it's like, like where if you ask them, they'd be like, "Yeah, we totally meant to do that." Yeah, uh, not even the bottomless pit wanting the nude photos of Whoopi, of Whoopi Goldberg. <laughs> what the? <laughs> that was that was uh. uh and w- my one of my favorite lines that whole short I love, but as Krusty finally, you know, tries to kill Homer while other people are watching, and he's Homer's rolling around on the ground. He goes, "Marge, Marge, the doll's trying to kill me, and the doll should have been laughing at me." <laughs> yeah. Followed which by I think I, dog water. Dog water. Which I think I've said that before to somebody, like to, just to see if they were paying attention. The laughing at me. Add that at the end of any random sentence that you're saying to somebody who may or may not be listening to you, and you will find out whether or not they were listening. That's very true, and uh, it's one of those things that, you know, as since now the doll is trying to kill him. Oh, and again, in the blasé response category, she she calls 1-800-DON'T-SUE, which is the hotline for all of Krusty's products. Your doll's trying to kill my husband. Yes, I'll hold. Everybody loves the clown, so why don't you? Oh, that old music is great. Uh, all right. You have good old music at times. It it does help. It really does. Uh, of course, Homer's personally, you're not putting me on hold. I'm putting you on hold. <laughs> Lisa, your questions are important. It will be answered as soon as, uh, as soon as the next available attendant comes along, followed by him singing MacArthur Park. They get a lot of play out of MacArthur Park in that show, too, I noticed. Which is odd because it's such a weird song. It it yeah it is. I think it's also uh, like one of the most covered songs of all time for some reason. Well, you know, any number of genres and styles can be made to fit it, I suppose. So it's probably good that way. I sure. I imagine that Robert Cooper is now going to message me with all the various metal covers of it, because you know there's some death metal band out there that has to just go on about the rich green frosting running down. No, this is. Uh, there's probably this is my philosophy. I've always said, uh, you know, and it's relevant to this to this show. 
because I always say there's a Simpsons quote for everything. I also I also maintain that uh, if there's not a Simpsons quote for something, there's probably a Beatles song for it. And I can add to that if there's not a Beatles song for it, there's probably a metal song for it. That's very true. Uh, all but right. most, we... most of the time, there's a Simpsons quote for everything. I've never been let down nope. <laughs> to this point. I imagine, uh, you know, I might eventually come across a circumstance where I can't find one, but in that case, I'm just going to assume it's one I haven't heard yet. Uh, all right. One of the things we have to talk about as it pertains to this, because, look, Mr. Burns is great, right? <laughs> I mean, we can all agree on this. He is great. One of my favorite characters. Value. He's – Mark and I spent a lot of time talking about him when we – because he is like – he actually has a line in uh, Who Shot Mr. Burns Part 2 where he says, I was free to revel in my own crapulence. Like, he says that about himself. We all looked all that you. up. We all looked that up too, and it's accurate. The use of the word is perfectly accurate in that situation. It's brilliant. Yeah, that's that's not it's not a made up word. It's actually a word that existed prior to that and was used correctly. So he's a, he's been featured in several episodes of the Treehouse of Horror. So I'm so you know where do you want to start with this one? Because I know again on your list you have his turn as Dracula, which is another Absolutely. great. I know you. Great you one. Um, I know you mentioned uh, the uh, his his turn in the in the Harry Potter parody. It's called Whiz Kids. I think it's from Trials of Horror twelve or thirteen, something like that. We'll find out. It is uh, twelve. Yeah, Lord Monty Moore. The the only thing I first of all Smithers as, as Slithers t- steals that whole episode because the design is just so hilarious, and he's still That's wearing true. a bow tie. He's still wearing the bow tie, and then he completely devours uh, Burns after he dies, uh, which is also really grotesque looking, but still funny. The only thing I have to add is I, I found out, and you know, you look back on on that short, and it's it's a little bit more obvious, especially if you're a Harry Potter fan. Apparently, the the people involved in making that short had not, I think, either hadn't read anything related to Harry Potter or knew very little about about the uh, books or the I don't even I'm not sure if even the movies had come out by that point and if they did there weren't that many of them out um, uh, so that episode were... aired in 2001 so that was the year the first movie came out wasn't it yeah, yeah we're dealing and with it... that most two, uh, two movies at that point I believe there is only the one yeah, so they, and I don't think they had read the books. They had, like, I think they probably had some very extremely basic knowledge. I think, you know, I don't know who mandated, you know, you guys make a Harry Potter parody and do it and do it now. Uh, it it worked out. It ended up being funny. It just wasn't, it was a funny Simpsons short. It was a funny Treehouse of Horror short. It just wasn't a very good Harry Potter parody. Uh, I get two kicks out of that episode. Well, no, I get a couple. One is uh, the is Bart's frog prince. Every moment I live is agony. And Mrs. Krabappel's blah again blase response. Bart, Lisa's casting spells at a at a you know a th- uh, tenth grade level, and you've sinned against nature. That works. Uh, Bart's spell about you know prank be undone, destroy the evil one, leading to him being struck by lightning rather than. <laughs> Burns. 
I got a, um, I don't know, most Simpsons fans are probably familiar with Frankie Yak at this point and know that um, Frankie Yak actually makes GIFs now. Or GIFs, if there's any, I know that I have at least one friend that may or may not be listening that will absolutely, like, you know, punch me in the face if uh, if I pronounce that a certain way and I don't remember which way she prefers. Uh, so I'm saying both, just to cover my bases, but... Uh, yeah, Frankie Egg does animated, like, memes, I'll just put it that way, and I want, I, I gotta make one at some point of Head Zeppelin, because that's a great animation. <laughs> Head Zeppelin is great. And then, uh, oh, my enchanted shin, how did you know? Sure. So, I, I laugh because it's so obviously, like, okay, we need to write ourselves out of this. Yeah, you want to end this episode or not? Uh, and we lack of knowledge of source material. Um, he's got an enchanted shin. Okay. Uh, I, the other one that I really like when it comes to Burns, and I forget the name of the episode, which is weird because I should remember it. Um, it's the one where Homer gets fired, winds up as a grave digger, and Burns takes his brain and sticks it into the machine's body. I'm I actually I'm actually pretty sure because that's Treehouse of Horror. Two, and I'm pretty sure that they didn't that none of the shorts had titles uh, in that episode. It's, it's either just Homer's nightmare or yeah, because each uh, one okay, of them is is, oh, there it is. Yeah, it's because yeah, they're called Lisa's nightmare. nightmare, Bart's nightmare, Homer's nightmare. They are subtitled in Lisa's case. It's the monkey's paw, Bart's is the Bardstone, and Homer's is. If I only had a brain. Okay, there we go. Okay, I stand corrected. But yeah, uh, but. Uh, I re- behold the greatest relation between labor and man, the greatest uh, tool in labor management relations since, since the cattle nine tails, which well done. always makes me laugh because, you know, Burns is old enough that he was probably around when that first, when that was first introduced as, and we need to make these guys work faster. Hey, check this out. Yeah. I, um, I love that. I, I, one of my favorite parts of that episode is, and I, I'm going to I have the words in front of me because I if not I will screw this up completely but it's the it's the uh it's the semi wizard of oz quote that he gets gives before he kicks the robot and it's what uh <laughs> you you clinking clanking clattering collection of collisionist cogs and camshafts uh which I knew I had heard that from somewhere the first time, or like, you know, the first few times I saw it, and then I realized, I'm like, oh, for some reason they're doing a Wizard of Oz quote here, but it worked because it's Burns, and hearing Burns say, sometimes it's just funny to hear Burns say weird stuff. Sometimes, like, Harry Shearer just does that voice in such a way that, like, sometimes <laughs> things he says in the, in the Burns voice is funny without without you even really understanding why. That's also the where, that, you know, wallowing my own crapulence can probably fall into that category, too. The fact that right after that, it starts tipping over from Mr. Burns, and he's, he shuffles because he can't run, but that one moment also is one of my big... I, I hate the cinematic trope of, oh, crap, this long, this long but narrow thing is falling towards me. I'm going to run lengthwise. Uh... There's a, there's a scene in the latest season of Game of Thrones with, that's, that would drive you up a, up a wall if you haven't seen it yet that follows a similar path of annoyance. Uh, the, mo- the most egregious one, to my recent recollection, actually is Prometheus, which I like as a movie. I genuinely enjoy Prometheus, uh, Idris Elba's Texas accent not, notwithstanding. 
But then at the end, when it's when the ship is like rolling towards them and they're running with it, you know, parallel to it, like move to the side. Ninety degrees. Ninety degrees, and you're fine. I, I mean, come on, if you, oh yeah, like turn, just turn. You can turn left or right, you know. I mean, it's moderately amusing. If you get like a NASCAR driver and he can't turn left to get away from it, then okay, I appreciate the humor. But come on, <laughs> you don't even have, don't even go the full ninety. Go like eighty, and suddenly all is well with the world. Yeah, that uh, I feel like that's you know I can't single any anything in particular out, but I feel like I've seen that before a bunch of times. Oh, um, it, it's all, it's all over the place. But after he gets crushed, he <laughs> bone shattered, organs leak, leaking vital fluids, slight headache. Going I'm going to die. There was, there was an, I, I, I know there was a Treehouse of Horror episode that was similar. Actually, was it the Fantastic Voyage parody where they go inside Burns and then like Homer doesn't escape in time? There's another episode yeah, where, behind. yeah, he stays behind episode. and then expands, and he and yeah. Burns wind up sharing a body again. Yeah, I knew I had seen that. Yeah, that that's the one, right? Yeah, their parody of Fantastic Voyage. It's 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 creepier in that in that one, but uh, you know, Burns needs several it. new holes. Yeah, um, I I like the fact that you know in the original one where uh, you know Homer's trying to he finds himself you know his head grafted to or burns his head grafted to his body and he's. He's trying to wake himself up. It's just a, it's just a dream. It's just a dream. Yes, it's just a dream. Or is it? And then they continue to like, you know, a mundane like scene later Next on. Next week on The Simpsons. Which is the be- which is the best punchline to that joke where it just keeps going past the point where you think it would. That doesn't always work. And Don't sometimes forget my meet- recitals this Sunday, Dad. Oh, but Homer, we have to meet with the Prime Minister of... Oh, I hate having two heads. Yeah, and you know, sometimes sometimes you you know you stretch a joke too far out, and you you go into Family Guy territory, and that gets old real fast. Uh, the idea is that something becomes fun, like go a joke goes on long enough, and it stops becoming funny, and then it goes on even longer, and it becomes funny again. Um, people seem people tend to be under the impression that that works every time, and it doesn't. It works very sparingly when you use it very sparingly. Um, this was kind of just like that sweet spot where like it went on just long enough to be really funny and really like, you know, head turning and then it stopped and it left you like, what the hell did I just watch? Uh, and, uh, the one you mentioned that you really wanted to talk about Burns is Dracula and visually he is old Dracula as played by Gary Oldman from Bram Stoker's Dracula. So, once again, um, once again, I saw this Treehouse of horror episode first and then I saw Bram Stoker's Dracula, and that made that made that made it much harder to take Gary Oldman seriously in that movie. I found um, wasn't his fault. He did it, you know. That, that was kind of the story of that movie, anyway. Um, <laughs> he did it. He did his best. He was great. He would have been. A, I wish he had a much better, much more focused movie to play Dracula in. But you know, he he did what he could. Yeah, if only he'd had a better adaptation. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, the parts with the shadow, the shadows making, like, shadow put like, you know, uh, autonomous shadow yo-yo. puppets on the wall and just doing a year. 
that's not too far off from how it was in the movie where the shadow shadow's doing all kinds of weird weird distracting things in the background sometimes. Um all oh, the super happy fun slide. <laughs> that's where the just for Homer's anime the animation of Homer like waving his arms around is just you know, it's that's so much that's so adorable. And it's I really shouldn't. So, oh, but when am I gonna be here again? Later on, super fun, happy slide. No, Dad. Oh, I guess killing him will be fun enough. Well, if it isn't little uh, boy, uh, Dad, also, uh, blood. Correction, free, free blood. blood. No, uh, where they decide to, uh, and they, you know, they also take the opportunity to parody, you know, to parody the Lost Boys, like somewhere in there with the, uh, you know, Bart being th- outside the window. Yeah, oh, my also, favorite, like, like my all-time favorite Simpson uh, Trials of Horror gag comes from that episode. Lisa, Bart, don't bite your sister's neck. Yeah, hey, you are a vampire. Quick, <laughs> Grandpa Simpson comes in with a mallet and a stake. Quick, we have to kill the boy. Marge pokes her head in. How do you know he's a vampire? Grandpa Simpson's response: He's a vampire. That's. <laughs> 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 Uh, you know, th- this is where I get, you know, animation geeky. That's, um, that was Treehouse of Horror 4, and I think David Silverman directed all of, um, all of those episodes, all of the shorts in that episode. And, um, I'm a big fan of David Silverman, like, personally, like, a, as an artist. He, he directed the Simpsons movie, first of all. I don't know if he, uh, I don't know if you're particularly fond of the Simpsons movie. Personally, I think that's the last really, really great Simpsons story that, that's ever been made that that movie actually kind of reminded me of why i'm a simpsons fan wasn't perfect it had it had issues but the animation was on point and then um it it led me to kind of go back and look at previous episodes of the show that david silverman had done and his his claim to fame is actually like really uh you know, kinetic like wacky you know uh over the top gestury animation um, which you see in the Dracula episode, uh, you know, some of it is like really over the top and some of it is really fluid, like Bart, like transforming into the bat. That's awesome. Like, you know, even just from a pure animated, it's kind of creepy just the way, the way that that happens. Um, Silverman also directed the shinning. So, you know, if that doesn't prove my point, I don't know what will. Um, but also, you know, all the parts after that where, um, they're closing in on Burns, and and uh, you know also lest we forget, you know if we're doing quotes here, we we can't forget, you know, kill my boss. Do I dare live out the American dream? Die, you evil monster! Dad, that's his crotch. That's oh, his crotch! <laughs> which was a joke, which was a gag that was so good they used it in the promo for that episode that year. That's such you a have great to drive gag. A stake in. Yeah, that that's what I remember, and then. Um, you know, the, Burns the coming back beat. after he dusts, he recorporealizes just long enough to look at Homer and go, "You're fired." <laughs> That's brilliant. Um, yeah, Burns. Uh, Burns has a few turns as, as you know, as a villain in these trials of horror episodes. They don't over. They don't over. Given that he's pretty much the main villain of the entire series, they don't overdo him as much as you might think because um, he's got a few really good episodes, a few ones that are relatively forgettable, but, you know, the best ones are, like, some of the best ones, you know, the best uh, Treehouse of Horror shorts they've ever done. Like, this is, like, you know, the Dracula episode is up there as far as one of my favorites. Um, and it 
actually became even more so after I actually saw the movie, which was uh, which was welcome, you know, which was welcome surprise. Um, I think that was during you know a certain period of time when um, you know the, that was you know Simpsons golden age. Uh, but they, I know they had a mandate in the, they, they had a, you know, they had a standing in at that time for the Treehouse of Horror episodes, um, and that was that the Treehouse of Horror episodes, of course, have to be funny, but they also have to still work as horror. They also still have to be kind of, at least, kind of scary. So they, uh, they were really good at that uh, during that time. That's when you get stuff like, you know, the like the Shinning, which. Uh, was ridiculous and over the top and wacky, but it also, you know, had its moments where it was like it zeroed in on what made the shining scary. And then and during some of those times, it was kind of creepy, like Marge finding the typewriter and, you know, the, the you know, the lightning hitting and all the feeling fine, feeling fine. And then Boom. that's funny. And then suddenly, yeah, like all this stuff behind, like all the <laughs> stuff written behind her. That's well, this is way, less you know, encouraging. And then his entrance, Homer's entrance into that scene, he slams open the door and goes, Hello! What do you think, my Well, he needs a title. Thinking something along the lines of no TV and no beer make Homer something. Go crazy? Don't mind if I do! <laughs> and she actually gets the bat from the breaking case of spousal insanity. And as he's coming up the stairs, you know, they, with his give me the bat bit, Oh, scaredy cat. Oh, here's a scary face. Bleh. Turns and sees himself in the mirror. Ah! And then falls down. The, he actually scares oh, himself. And, falls the, down. and here's the, here's kind of the genius thing they did with that, with that scene. Um, I don't know if you know this, like, uh, in the shining, um, I think that has, I think that supposedly has the Guinness world record for the most number of takes in a single film ever done for a single scene. Uh, Stanley Kubrick, purposely like practically tortured the hell out of Shelley Duvall to get the kind of reaction out of her that she got in that scene where she looks like she's freaking out. She's not acting in that scene. She's just so sick of Kubrick. <laughs> Which apparently he did that a lot with his actor. He did something similar with George C. Scott and like Dr. Strangelove, but that's a whole other thing. Um, but as a contract, because you know uh, you got to make it fun, you got to make it funny again. Um, Marge is really like just kind of like pretty blasé about the whole thing, and and very straightforwardly like you know picks up you know picks up Homer like he weighs nothing and just dumps him in the fridge and just says you know you stay here till no, till you're no longer insane. And chili would be good tonight. And she takes the chili and walks out. Oh, and then the 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 setup the payoff to that is you left Homer in there. With all this food, so when the ghouls come and in the movie, in The Shining, it's a really interesting scene where Jack Nicholson essentially talks to himself about, you know, let me out, give me one more chance. I, I need, you know, I, I can do this. I can kill my family. I can, you know, live up to my expectations and my obligations. And in the in The Shining, he's sitting there eating, and Mo comes along and, hey, Homer, some of the other ghouls and I are not happy about how this is going. Can't murder now. Eating. No. <laughs> oh. Crying out, crying out loud. <laughs> That's the first the door appearance of just... Pinhead, too, in uh, The Simpsons. Because he's, they have all those classic horror monsters that come in and drag him out to send him off on his murderous rampage. And uh, I think know... Pinhead and Freddy Krueger are in it. Yeah, uh, I think this Wolfman is in it. I, I'd love to know 
I know at some point, you know, because you know, this was back when they did, you know, when they did the show on cell, uh, on plastic cell, they would, I guess, from time to time, Fox would sell them and would sell them to employees and would sell them to, like, some of the Simpsons staff and would also sell a select few to the public. I wonder if anybody's got a cell of that. That would be really cool. Like, just all of the ghouls dragging Homer out of the fridge. <laughs> He's like, no, I always love that don't scene. take me away from the food. I always love that single shot. But, yeah, um... And the whole play, and I guess we're full on talking about the shinning now, aren't we? Sure. Uh, we're pretty much reciting most of the episode anyway, so yeah, this is your shinning discussion. Uh, widely considered one of the, probably the number one, or I've seen occasionally number two greatest Treehouse of Horror short of all time. Um, and I probably won't argue with that too much. But uh, basically, like everywhere that Everywhere that the movie zigs, the 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 parody kind of zags. You know, parts that are supposed to be that are scary in the movie are funny in the parody, and vice versa. Uh, if you kind of think about it, um, where you you know the part where Homer's crashing through the door and it does the three, uh, you know, here's Johnny. No, the room's empty. David Letterman. Hi, David. I'm Hi, Grandpa. David, I'm Grandpa. I'm Mike Wallace. I, I'm morally safer, and I met Bradley. All this and Andy Rooney tonight on 60 Minutes. <laughs> and he's and they all they go running away. Um, Hurts to kill, fading, fading. Which Rising? I still, which fading. I still use. Oh, that's, that always gets played. That is one of the most enduring trios of horror bits ever. Is urge to kill. Rising or fading? Actually, actually, Sean Comer, because I know you're either listening to this now or you will at some point in the future. I've used that on him before. Anytime that, anytime that it's snowing up here in New York, and he, you know, and he decides he wants to be, uh, you know, he wants to be cute and post, you know, the temperature from his native Arizona. That that's what I always post in reply is Homer to frozen. Kill rising. To kill rising. Uh, oh, yeah, that's a good one. Uh, you wanted to talk about, and we need to talk about this one because you and I are both fans of the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise. So their parody thereof, you know, the Nightmare on Evergreen Terrace, where groundskeeper Willie takes the role of Freddy Krueger. Uh, I mean, between that and the shitting, I think you have the best examples of appropriate parody ever committed to screen. I mean, it's serious. glorious. I'd be hard pressed to think of a better Nightmare on Elm Street parody than that. Like that was, there was some affection in that. There was there uh, there was some surprising affection in that because um you know uh you know depending on who you talk to you know Nightmare on Elm Street is you know revered in some horror circle and kind of you know looked down upon in others uh and others a little bit more snobbish uh, than than we may be but uh, yeah there was some actual love that went into that parody because it was spot on like the dream sequences were appropriately like you know weird and you know kind of uh differently colored and uh far out and the deaths were, were really funny uh you know martin you getting the, you master the dead tongue let's see how you handle a live one martin getting getting crushed by willie's uh willie's long prehensile tongue and let's then no one reacting to it which that's what kills me about that because they're playing on a an episode on one of the kills from uh, the Dream Master, where a, one of the victims is killed in the middle of class. It's very quick in the film, especially for a Freddy Krueger kill. Here, uh, he, 
<laughs> Martin goes through this long, drawn-out, suffocating gesticulation, and everybody just kind of watches him. And then Nelson laughs at him. <laughs> He's dead. I said, ha ha. <laughs> just get him out of here. No, not, not the kindergarten. <laughs> he got his floor buffer. He got me with his floor buffer. Um, and <laughs> the undercover man. And it's funny what people take away from some of these episodes because I swear to God, like uh, the the concept of smart got more play off of this out of this episode than anything else in it. Like every every year at around like you know like late winter, early spring, you'll you'll hear you know lousy smart weather. <laughs> Somebody say lousy smart weather. Really. Good advice. Good advice. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, you know, also the undercover, you know, funny, you know, one of the funniest parts of this was, was, was Marge who, you know, Marge is a great character in the Simpsons, but you never expect her to be outright, you know, outright funny. And then when it is, it's always a pleasant surprise that she ends up stealing, you know, a vast part of that episode. So, you know, you know, it's a tale of murder and revenge from beyond the grave and the kids response to that, they kind of perk up and start and smile like, you know going to get good uh you know it was this what was it it was the 13th the hour of week, the 13th, 13th month of the, <laughs> of the 13th, 13th year day of the 13th, something like that it's 13th uh yeah 13th day of the 13th month we were we were meeting in the school to complain about the misprinted calendar <laughs> which is where the smart weather joke comes from but yeah march, march getting laughs is always good <laughs> Smarts has 29 days, by the way. That's that's interesting to know. Uh, I don't know why, but Smarts has 29 days. Um, I gotta remember to I gotta remember to quote that next time. You know, you know, next next year. Uh, Smarts weather. Yeah, that's that's yeah. very true. Uh, that's all. That's also a really, uh, you know, first of all, you know, brilliant that you know the the cause of all of you know the cause of Willie dying and becoming you know Freddy Krueger is of course Homer who sets him on fire unknowingly sets him on fire and then like the final shot of like skeleton Willie is kind of horrifying it is that's like, a really scary bit when he's sitting there saying I'll get you I'll strike back at your children it's in how do you uh, do first that? we'd like I'll get them in their dreams. And then he sweeps himself up after he disintegrates. Oh, but my other favorite thing about that one is after he's lit on fire. All right, first order of business. uh, Money for new doorknobs. Nay. Nay. Uh, Next up, uh, new fire extinguishers. Just a reminder, this is a free service provided by the fire department. Nay. Nay. (laughs) Ah, Poor Willie. And then at the end, I mean, if you – when we talk about this as parody – you know, the dreamscapes are great. Willie nails elements of Freddy Krueger. Uh, you know, the wisecracks, in some cases, the over-reliance on them, uh, which you know, a- adequately parodies, you know, the direction the Freddy Krueger character went in its, some of the later entries into the franchise. For a full discussion on that, see the Long Road to Ruin episodes talking about the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise. And then, at, at the end, when he gets off the bus... And wants to, and, you know, boo. Oh, no, wait, I left my gun on the seat. And then he takes off after the bus and his shoe falls off. And it's this perfect arc, even within just the short of the arc that Freddy Krueger as a character took from, you know, 
intimidating and scary and murderous to wisecracky to borderline impotent and running after a bus with one shoe on. <laughs> oh, it's, man. It's inspired. That, that needs to be studied by anyone who wants to write parody because it there is no finer example. <laughs> that, uh, that may, that, I guess that ended the only way it could have, but... Uh... It's a more clever. It's a more clever way of uh, writing out, uh, you know, ending the episode than, uh, I guess, than the Harry Potter parody. So that works. Uh, yeah. All right. Uh, we've been dancing around it. We need to talk about it here because I think we've covered everything else on your list. We got again, a little bit I, of time left. Uh, we can take, I think, another half. I could add more time. Ah, screw it. I'm gonna add more. Sure thing. I think we're rounding out. I, I I only have like a couple like you know a few honorable mentions anyway that I won't, that won't get that I won't get too into. Just like, I got like uh, three, right. three honorable mentions. Uh, uh, well, one we, is, the last one we need to talk about before we get into honorable mentions and then number one. Uh, you sure. brought up one of my favorite, mostly because I've seen the other, mostly because th- this joke has been played off so many different in so many different arenas. And one that I actually do want to talk about. Uh, Terror at Five and a Half Feet. Ah, uh, yeah. Which is a parody of a famous episode of the Twilight uh, Twilight Zone, excuse me, uh, wherein William Shatner sees a gremlin on the side of an airplane. And no one else can see it, and no one believes him. Bart sees a gremlin on the side of the bus. Uh, and my favorite payoff to that whole... This is where the famous, there's something on the wing. There's some thing out on the wing. That's where that comes from, is that episode. In the Twilight Zone movie, when they did uh, that same story, they did it with John Lithgow instead of William Shatner. And much as I want, uh, much as I love Terror at Five and a Half Feet for a variety of reasons, there's an episode of Third Rock from the Sun, which is a sitcom starring primarily John Lithgow. Uh, it aired primarily during the early to mid-90s. There's an episode of that show where William Shatner shows up. And he arrives in their little town via airplane. And the first time he meets, he meets with John Lithgow, he says, there was something on the wing, but no one would believe me. And John Lithgow's response is, I know, that happened to me too. Write <laughs> uh, so that the down Gremlin, and look up later. Yeah, it, oh, it's, and it's, and you know, I mean, it's not, it's funny when you read it. It's funnier when you get Shatner and Lithgow, especially Lithgow as that character, because he got to be so over the top. Uh, so, Terror at Five and a Half Feet, you know, what are your favorite moments from that one? What, what, what about that particular episode and that particular short kind of speaks to you? Um, first of all, Otto running the actual gremlin off the, off the side of the road. Otto, man, there's a gremlin Which on ha- the side of the bus. Oh, no problemo, Bart, dude. <laughs> oh, no. And yeah, of course, it's, of course it's, it's, it's Hans' moment. He has to die, and he has to die in the most ridiculous way possible. So he runs off the road, He does, and nothing. he's okay, and then the car explodes. He taps no that tree, just taps it, boom. Um, you know, Skinner, who is uh, not played as much as he could be in, in, in a lot of these Treehouse episodes, but, uh, you know, I'm riding the bus because Mother uh, hid my car keys to punish me for talking to a woman on the phone. She was right to do it. She was right to do it. Oh. <laughs> Look and at all the stuff I, I found down in the marina. She's sitting <laughs> in some guy's boat. And, and and one other Skinner quote that I use because um, – in my day job, um, in in my day job, I I work around uh, around kids a lot, 
So sometimes I'll, you know, sometimes I'll use Skinner's lineup. You know, I've, you know, I've heard, I've heard a child has been using his imagination, and I've come to put a stop to it. <laughs> uh, so. Willie has a great couple of lines in that episode as well. Oh, my mule wouldn't – something his mule wouldn't do. Wouldn't pull in the mud, so it's hard to put 17 bullets in him. 17 bullets in him. Then when Bart tries to get rid of the gremlin and he's throwing the flares out the window and he's hanging out of it, and Skinner and Willie are holding onto his legs trying to pull him back in. Pull, Willie, pull. I'm doing all the pulling, you. Oh, what is it? Because it's a great... wearing poodle walker. Blouse wearing poodle walker. Yeah. Willie's insults at Skinner, while somewhat few and far between, are always gold. Yeah. There's a uh, What was... My favorite one was... Uh, <laughs> you you bad taking underpants right wearing... Back. Oh, yes, Willie. I see you got the news. I trust you got the news about your salary cut. Hey, there'll be many a cut this year. <laughs> yes, there will. Uh, Budgetary-wise, of course. <laughs> yeah, Willie's uh, is great. The other her. one, there's a great bit of double. There's one episode, and I forget the episode's title, but it's where they all get snowed in over Christmas. Skinner's um, sense of snow. That's it. Which is a great episode. It has some great, uh, you know, double entendres in it. One of them, <laughs> my favorite one, uh, Willie, collapse that tunnel. Uh, he did do a bunny job, sir. Uh, I see you Scotsmen are thrifty with courage as well. All right, Skinner. That's the last time you'll slap your Willie around. I quit. <laughs> Which is, you know, luckily they don't know the Luckily, they don't overdo the Willie joke as much as they could because the last one, that, you know, the last one that was similar to that was "Do Not Touch Willie." So, <laughs> of course, works. that one also features "Good job, Nibbles." Now chew through my ball sack. Mm, not as good, but me- still memorable, I guess. Well, it's a lot less subtle, uh, and also because Skinner wow. is at that point in time currently encased in an empty dodgeball bag. Right. <laughs> Skinner, I trust oh, there's man. a good explanation for this. Yes, sir, there is. Well, then I'm satisfied. Oh, it's uh, it's yeah. oh we hit something. I hope it's Flanders. <laughs> I'm all for saving the kids, Homer, but did you have to cut off my roof? Oh, my car, your roof. But it's my car. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Whatever happened to that plow you company you had? What? I never had a plow. Yes, you did. Mr. Plow, you're wearing the jacket right now. I think I know my own life, Ned. Good stuff. Oh, that's a great one. Um, I guess, um, and speaking of Flanders, who ends the, uh, you know, the terror three and a half feet episode with, you know, being decapitated by the Kremlin, which was a dark, with a really dark turn. That's a really dark short, all things considered. They kind of took it an extra step because I know, uh, the, the Twilight Zone episode, I if I'm not mistaken, the Twilight Zone episode end with the gremlin on the ambulance too. I'd have to double check. Um, but I know he didn't. I didn't. I know he didn't hold. He wasn't holding somebody's disembodied head. So uh, yeah. Uh, apparently, apparently not. It's not. It doesn't appear on the ambulance. Um, he isn't. He is uh, locked away in an asylum, and he tells his wife that he's alone. Right. Uh, but no, no, the the the, ep- the end to the short is much darker than the end to the Treehouse of Horror. The, the, excuse me, than the end to the <laughs> Twilight Zone episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all of those are kind of dark. All from that, because that series um, contains The Devil and Homer Simpson, which we're going to talk about next at length. 
Terror at five and a half feet and Bart Simpson's Dracula. Mm-hmm. And Bart Simpson's Dracula ends on a pretty dark note. You have to kill the head vampire. You're, no, I'm the head vampire. Mom? I do have a life outside this house. You know. Well, like I said, that was during the time when they tried to, they legitimately tried to make the Halloween episode scary. Um, uh, and more often, not kind of those episodes. Uh, because, again, The Devil and Homer Simpson, which I think is the best. Just, you know, if we talk about, you know, how do you categorize them? I don't think it gets better than The Devil and Homer Simpson. In fact, uh, the bit of art that you see if you're watching this on Blog Talk or anything that will, you know, bring up the icon that I selected for this is a sketch that you did of from that episode. It's Ned Flanders as he first appears in Homer Simpson's cubicle. I mean, this this short is basically perfection. And I still maintain, like, as much as I love the shinning, like, Flanders as the devil is is a stroke of comedic genius. I'd sell my soul for a donut. That can be arranged. Flanders? You're the devil? Always the way you least suspect. That, that whole episode has a couple of great gags. One of them, believe it or not, uh, Homer insulting himself, incidentally, because he wants a donut, and they're out of donuts, hence leading to him wanting to sell his soul. Uh, he gets he goes for his emergency donut, which is in his like safety manual. He's hollowed it out to store donut. Opens it up, and there's a note. I, dear Homer, I owe you one emergency donut. Signed, Homer. Bastard! He's always one step ahead. So I think I've used when because I sometimes I leave myself notes too. I think I must have used that at least once one would on myself. It, it's great. I mean, I've insulted both past and future me at, at various <laughs> times in the past. Like, I should probably do this. Ah, future me can suck it up. I'm gonna get around <laughs> to it. Bam, past me. He's so lazy. Right. <laughs> uh, but I mean, as as Homer's having this negotiation for this donut. Uh, Burns and Smithers are watching on the security cameras. Smithers, who's that goatee-legged fellow? I like the cut of his jib. That's the Prince of Darkness, sir. He's your 11 o'clock. Which is completely unsurprised. Like, if, if Burns wasn't the devil himself, he at least knew him, so it makes perfect sense. Which actually informs one of my favorite Burns gags. And there are many of them, but there's one where he and Abe vie for the affections of Marge's mother. <laughs> oh, God. And... After after they get done dancing, uh, Mrs. Bouvier, whose name first name I forget, le- is leaning on Jacqueline. Thank you. Is leaning on Burns as they're walking out of the building, and oh, Monty, you're the devil himself. You what the who told you? Oh, his, re- his immediate response is, "How did you find out?" Which I have also used on some people before, mostly people uh, that you know. Mostly people that are big, big senses of nerds like me, so they they finish the bit, so it's all good. The, oh, you're the devil. Who <laughs> told you? Uh, but now Flanders is the devil is tremendous because he's still Flanders. I mean, <laughs> he's the devil, but he's he still has the Flanders idiosyncrasies with speaking. Uh, all right, now as soon as you finish that donut, I get your heart and soul. Wait a minute. So if I don't finish this donut, you don't get my soul. Yeah, well, technically. I'm and then, the devil. <laughs> you are not smarter than... Then he, you know, reverts. But every other time, they keep him as Flanders functionally. He, when he shows up to actually claim Homer, yeah, finishing something, Simpson. <laughs> of course, that also leads to another great kind of non sequitur. When everyone walks in as Homer's being sucked into hell. Homer, did you eat that donut? No. 
And then Bart walks in. <laughs> oh, hey, Devil. Hey, Bart. Well, Isn't my father entitled to due process? Oh, these are always so much easier in Mexico. It makes it makes logical sense too that Bart that Bart would you know would on some level know the devil too. So well, that's, that's very true. And uh, then when he actually gets when he gets stuck in the portal to hell because Homer's fat, I mean, you're wide behind. Won't save you this time. <laughs> that. Uh, that also leads to, you know, the whole ironic punishment division. <laughs> which got in a <laughs> You like donuts, do you? Have all the donuts in the world. Which got more which got which got immortalized in uh in a McFarlane toys uh, figure that I really need to get at some point. Um I don't know how easy or difficult it is to find or if it's valuable or not, but uh I gotta get my hands on that toy at some point. It's really good. I don't understand. Uh, James Coco went mad in 15 minutes. Um, and then, you know, you've already got a great premise and you've got a great episode with, uh, you know, with Flanders of the Devil and with Homer in, in hell for eating a forbidden donut. Um, and then you bring Lionel Hutz into the, into the <laughs> equation. <laughs> and, oh, God. And Phil right, Hartman, man... Oh, now, you God. know, in, in most cases, he can. In pretty much any case, when you're talking about a Simpsons role that he plays, he can do no wrong. He outdid himself with this one, just for uh, you know. Uh, I ask you, what is a contract? Webster's defines a contract as an agreement under the law which is unbreakable, which is unbreakable. And he just he just bailed on him. The timing <laughs> of that, yeah, the, the timing of that is pitch. Perfect. Like we, you know, I can't. That's one of the few jokes that I can watch repeatedly and still laugh at. Oh, and he gets when he does his fast talking in the beginning, and you realize just how unprepared he is. Mr. He's Simpson, combing his hair I, with a fork. Combing his hair with a fork, Mr. Simpson. I believe we have a very strong case. I watched Matlock in a bar last night. The sound wasn't on, but I think I got the joke. They, I mean, uh, a, what bar are you in that plays Matlock? They, they had another. Uh, it was like a deleted scene where it was like they're calling him up and it's uh uh, uh Lionel Hutz uh you know cases one or your pizza is free. That's also the yeah, deleted yeah, scene. Yeah, yeah, up at the end. Well, I'm sorry, but here's your pizza, Mr. Hutz. We won. That's okay. The box is empty. Yeah, and in between that is the one where you know is the part where Bart is like you know I'd sell my soul for a Formula One race car. That can and the be arranged. Change my mind. <laughs> Only Bart would troll the devil. <laughs> And it kind of worked because, yeah, Bart stopped pestering Satan. Um, oh, the jury like of the, the damned is great. The jury of the damned. Um, but I'm not dead. Hi, I did a favor our, for you. Yes. Which is our second Nixon reference uh, in two days, um, which is our second Simpsons Nixon reference in two days, actually. Uh, funny how that works out. Um, I'm really sad I couldn't I, work in a uh, Nixon head reference from Futurama. From from yesterday's show. So, you know, Nixon always you'll, wins. You'll get your chance. Um, my some of my favorite reactions, uh, some of my favorite interactions in this episode are actually between like Flanders and um, and Lionel Hutz because um, what was it? Uh, let's establish some ground rules first. Uh, first, we get bathroom breaks every every ten minutes. Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> Number two, Second. the jury will be chosen by me. Agreed. 
Wait, silence. silence. No, but I actually like the, the very Flanders way that he says silence. Like, he says it really, like, not very forcefully. He just goes silence. Like, like Flanders would. Um, that always, that's a little thing that always, you know, that always got a chuckle out of me. Um, I get, I think my biggest kick out of that episode, visually, apart from the very end, which, I mean, you can't get better than Homer as a donut. But when the jury awards Homer's soul to Marge and Flanders as the devil goes, oh, his whole body kind of sags. And not just his physique. His mustache droops a little more. His horns droop. I mean, everything droops as in this moment of, oh. I think think that's, once again, that's another David Silverman episode. So there you go. Uh, you'll start seeing it too, I think, if you if you look back, you, you know, if you start checking credits or anything, if you're inclined to do that, um, kind of, you know, but to, I, I I tend to do that a lot, so I know a lot of, uh, and like I said, I listen to a lot of the DVD commentary, so I usually know, who, you know, who directed what or who animated what or who remembers certain things about certain things. But yeah, that was David Silverman because uh, he did all of those from number four, which included Terror at Five and a Half Feet, which actually explains a lot of the animation of the Gremlin looking so good. Yep. Yeah, he's he's one of the you know if his if his name's on an episode, um, I think I don't know if this is the this is, this is actually I know this is not the earliest episode he ever did, but he also did Homer's Triple Bypass, so that whole scene of him of Homer having the heart attack and just completely like spasming all over the place. Like that's kind of his trademark. Stuff like that. Uh, sir, this man is dead. Send his widow a ham. Ham. Yeah. Sir, he's alive. Wait, he's... Uh, cancel the ham. Oh, no. Hey. Isn't that the first appearance of Dr. Nick as well in that episode? Dr. Nick? Uh, no. I think that's when Bart gets hit by a car. Is the first appearance of Dr. Okay, Nick I, and, and Lionel Hutz, I think. Oh, uh, Bart getting hit by that car. <laughs> uh, okay, I, I can never remember exactly when Dr. Nick first showed up, but his uh, you know, him taking direction from Lisa, who's in the gallery for Homer's heart surgery. Thanks, little girl. And no, the red thing's connected to my wristwatch. Uh-oh. Dr. Nick, where did you hide the bodies? Oh, what a lovely day. I think I'll go out the window. window. Uh... Uh, but uh, yeah, the devil and, and Homer, all right, Homer, you win, you get your soul back, let that ill-gotten donut be forever on your head. Oh, <laughs> Homer, stop picking at it. But I'm so tasty. Well, <laughs> time to go to work. I wouldn't go out there, Dad. Don't worry, boys, he's got to come out sometime. Which, you know, you would never expect, and that's an, that's an ending I would have never expected out of that episode, like even knowing that, you know... It, it's the Flanders of the Devil episode, and it ends, and it has this completely off the wall ending. It's just uh, I, I can't say enough. It, it's so perfectly Flanders, though. You know, if and this is one of the reasons I love Devil Flanders so much. If you if you know if you get away with cheating the devil, theoretically, there's always consequences. There's always a loophole. There's always something. And if Flanders is the devil. His his revenge is not going to be you know as painful or as profound as the normal devil. So him just you know let that ill-gotten donut be forever on your head. Turning his head into a donut is just evil enough to be the devil, but amusing enough to be Flanders. 
And it's the, the the perfect marriage of those two characters is Homer's inevitable fate in that short. <laughs> and now I celebrate uh, every year by having a forbidden Halloween donut. Oh, he sold me a soul for a donut, which I provided. It was scrum diddly umptious. Once again, Flanders as the devil still being Flanders. Oh yeah, it's it, it's great just him still being Flanders as and and that marriage. I, I mean, I think you're correct when you say it's this stroke of comedic genius uh, surpassing pretty much everything else is just, well, who's the devil in the Simpsons universe? Flanders. <laughs> okay, then. Sure, why not? Uh, I mean, just retroactively in my head, all other references to the devil in the Simpsons are now devil Flanders, including when Bart gets hit by that car and, oh, is there any way I can avoid coming back here? Yeah, but you won't like it. Hmm. And uh, the one from Ghost Dad where he winds up getting noogied. Oh, stop it. He'll wake up John Wayne. <laughs> I'm already awake. I'm already up. <laughs> uh, yeah, Devil Flanders is just... It's great. It's, there aren't enough superlatives, certainly in my vocabulary, to express Devil Flanders adequately. Uh, all right, was there anything else we wanted to touch on? Anything else that you wanted to bring up? Any other you know, antagonists, any other shorts? Anything that comes to your mind? Well, uh, like I said, I had a couple of, you know, honorable mentions, and probably like, eh, I think we covered most of them, but uh, Dr. Hibbert as Dr. Moreau was pretty good. (laughs) Uh, Mostly for the ending where they just kind of accept being mutated animals because it's, you know, it's easier. It's Mr. Burns with a new fox attitude. All you can do is eat and sleep and mate <laughs> and wallow around in your own filth and sleep. And where do I sign up? <laughs> yeah, I can make that... a good walrus, Dad. Yeah, I haven't been this thin since high school. <laughs> and then I think my only other, uh, my only other, uh, my my only other honorable mention is uh, Marge and Patty and Selma's witches. Uh, <laughs> Easy bake coven. Easy bake coven, and um, you know, great idea. I, don't, I just wish we hadn't filled up on kids before we got to the Flanters. That was that was great. I don't know. Uh, I don't know if caramel cod is. Uh, is it's got to be a thing but, somewhere. Uh, I'm sure somebody's tried it. That yeah. that also the bit of wordplay at the end that I use I use frequently from that episode. It didn't take long for this yearly custom beca- to become an annual tradition. Yeah, that's a favorite of mine too. Come on uh, out, we know you're in there. Give us candy, Dad. That's our house. <laughs> She's a witch. That's uh. I uh think that's, you finally that's, left Durwood. His name is which, even which Patty and Selma still. <laughs> that's a really absurd reference to the. Once again, like now, I don't think anybody, I don't think everybody would get, you know, on the first viewing and then you, you know, you find out later what it's about. Yeah. When you know, when you get the Durwood reference, it's better, but it's still funny because it's a funny sounding name. Much like uh, Fry's grandfather being, you know, Gomer Pyle. (laughs) And there's my Simpson. There's my Futurama reference for the show that I didn't have to shoehorn in quite like Nixon's head. There you go. Um, I'd be remiss without mentioning I Know What You Diddly Idly Did, uh, which is a really interesting kind of parody of I Know What You Did Last Summer, where Flanders turns out to be a werewolf, uh, just because, and for two reasons. Because for yeah, you know, as far as earworms go, the little jingle for, you know, can't get enough of those sugar snacks, Homer replacing that with, I guess I forgot to put the fog lights in, 
always kind of gets in my head for some reason. And then uh, at the end, when he's attacking Homer, and Homer kind of flanders, quit it, cut it out, and then you hear a choking sound. And, ah, eyes bigger than your stomach, eh, Wolfie? <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Of course, Flanders also, as he turns into a werewolf, snarling diddly. Uh, just once again, you know, Flanders still being Flanders. Flanders at heart. Um, I just thought that that was kind of a weird turn, just because it started out, of course, as in you know, and I know what you did last summer parody, and then it turned into a werewolf story for some reason. I mean, it's still funny, but uh, um, all right, the, there's two more, two others I want to mention very briefly. One because I love the way it plays in in most ways, is uh, the fright to creep and scare harm, which deals with the the town of Springfield destroying all their firearms and this firearmless society being some kind of mythical trigger to bring back Billy the Kid, Frank and Jesse James, and uh, Butch Cassidy and Kaiser Soze, uh, Kaiser Soze, Kaiser Wilhelm. And Homer travels back in time to remind the people of Springfield that, no, don't destroy your guns. We have to kill these. How to explain this to a child? Future daddy had to extra kill these zombies. <laughs> and then as soon as that happened, more future Homer comes in. People of Springfield, I come from another future where gun violence has ended the earth itself. After which Mo just shoots him because they've had <laughs> enough of this. And he goes, now to get me some caveman hook. Oh, yeah, the caveman hooker's line. I definitely remember that part. Um, and there's another Ned bit uh, where he basically plays the role of Dexter. Um, I do remember hearing about that. I don't think I saw all of it. It's not bad, uh, especially because they parody the Dexter opening, which uh, the opening uh, kind of title sequence to Dexter, absolutely tremendous. You know, the show may have gone off a cliff, but... That opening bit with him doing everyday things with this utterly like sinister bent that you can't quite put your finger on is uh, one of the best openings in all of television. In the case of Flanders, they turn it a little bit and have him doing things that look ominous but turn out to be harmless. And then he kills people because he hears the voice of God telling him to do so, and it turns out it's Homer. <laughs> right. Uh, but, you know, Flanders makes a great especially in the Treehouse of Horror when they can play around with him a little bit. Uh, Ned Flanders' Hell House uh, amuses me for several reasons. I don't think I saw that one. It's in um, 18. Oh, man, I definitely have a spot that I wouldn't see it then. Yeah, it's the second, uh, it's the third of 18, which contains E.T. Go Home, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, and Heck House, where he tries to set kids straight. Uh-huh. Uh and it doesn't work very well, so he actually prays and obtains devilish powers. <laughs> uh, about right. He turns into the devil again, basically, and it's still it it's pretty good. So you know, Flanders in those episodes when they play around with that, it's usually good for a laugh. Uh, and on that note, you know, the devil Flanders and all of his various escapades throughout the Simpsons Treehouse of Horrors series. I do believe we're going to go ahead and wrap this up. Uh, if you're listening live, there's about 15 seconds left, so thank you. We're going to do plugs and uh, and get out of here. So thank you very much for listening live. Uh, much appreciated. Uh, ben, thank you so much for being here. Uh, thanks for reminding me I promised to do this because it's been a lot of fun. You're revisiting some of these episodes in preparation for this. was a, a blast for me. And, you know, uh, people that I can geek out with about The Simpsons tend to be 
not few and far between, but it's slightly more obscure geekdom, all things considered. And knowing that you know you and I can trade quotes and have fun with that, uh, thank you for being here. I, I appreciate it tremendously. Hey, I've been looking forward to this for a while. Um, you know, anytime I can talk Simpsons with somebody, I'm, I'm you know I'm pretty excited and pretty happy. Uh, so, uh, what do you got to plug that you didn't, pl- you know, in addition to your plugs from yesterday? I have fewer plugs today because I don't have to plug this episode. Nice. Uh, yeah, uh, as as always, as ever, I write, draw, self-publish a comic called Soul Exodus. You can find uh, you can find it and me online. Uh, my website's soulexo.com, facebook.com/soulexo, uh, on Twitter at soulexocomic. Uh, and uh, we just wrapped up uh, you know, the Long Road to Ruin, talking about Hannibal Lecter. Uh, check that out, uh, Rambly. Though I may be in it, um, you know we we cover some some interesting. We all ramble topics. pretty heavily in that over those two episodes. <laughs> yeah, it was still it was still enjoyable. That's another uh, topic I don't get to talk about too much, which is uh, you know Silence of the Lambs and. And Belector as a character in general, so that was a great time. Um, and I will be back doing title cards for Long Road to Ruin. Apparently, they're doing Harry Potter next week, so I gotta try. I gotta. I gotta get to get going on something. Uh, hopefully, I'll be able to have something for Long Road to Ruin for next week, and uh, hope to continue doing more of that in the foreseeable future. Also, Sketchbook Saturday, which is where um, the uh, Devil Flanders sketch came from, uh, I do every Saturday on Twitter and Facebook. um, And it's basically just whatever comes to mind. I'll do at least one sketch on a Saturday and uh, tweet it out to the... uh, to the art-loving public, uh, such as it is, and I take requests, I take suggestions, I'll, you know, I'll draw whatever I can. You should draw Abe Simpson yelling at the cloud again. Because well, I already, I already did that. I know, I just got such a kick out of it. I did. Mostly because, that was the other, mostly because was the other old Simpsons man yelling at the cloud is one of my favorite gags, especially because it, he turns holding the newspaper clipping and then yells at the cloud again in an exact duplicate. It's it's one of those things that just it just works for so many different things. Where you know it's like football in the groin. It works on so many levels. George C. Scott won an Oscar. Exactly, and I bet Kubrick directed him too. I bet that took fifty-seven, you know, one hundred and fifty-seven takes, but he got it. Get me the non-union Mexican equivalent of Steven Spielberg. All right, Senior Spielberg, go. Schindler is bueno, Senor Burns is at Diablo. <laughs> Nonsense. We both made weapon munitions for the Germans. Mine just happened to work. <laughs> oh man, we'll be we'll be here the rest of the night Are you doing saying this. Saying boo or boo urns. Boo urns. I was saying boo urns. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, it's always yeah. mo or mole, man. It's one of those two. Right. I think that's all the plugs I got, though. Uh, all right. As for me, this coming Sunday, after a two-week hiatus, the 411 Ground and Pound radio show is back. There's a lot of news to talk about, some fights being made, GSP having a contract dispute with the UFC, Michael Bisbing still ducking deserving contenders because he knows as soon as he fights one, he's done. Seriously, he's angling for a GSP fight while the totality of the middleweight top 10 go, I can beat this guy. Well, not all of them can, but certainly the top five or six I would favor. 
and we'll be previewing UFC Fight Night 98, the finale of the Ultimate Fighter Latin America Season 3. I don't care about that card except for the main event because uh, Tony Ferguson and Rafael Dos Anjos are going to fight. And I, I'm a fan of both guys. I love me some Tony Ferguson. So that'll, so that'll be a good event to preview. Uh, that's this coming Sunday at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Tune in. should be a lot of fun. If you want to follow me on Twitter, I never plug my Twitter because I always forget. If you would like to follow me on Twitter, you can do so at WinFreeMMA. That's W-I-N-F-R-E-E-M-M-A. Because that's normally what I tweet about, not exclusively, but frequently. So if you want to follow me over there, have at it. I welcome followers. Uh, hope I don't bore you too much. And uh, I think that's it. This, oh, no. This Tuesday, Mark Radlich and I will be reviewing Inferno, Ron Howard's latest adaptation of a Dan Brown novel, featuring Tom Hanks reprising his role as Robert Langdon. I am about halfway through the book now and should have it done by the time I go see the movie on Tuesday. So tune in to Damn You Hollywood for that. should be a lot of fun. Uh, Benjamin, thank you again for being here. Uh, one last, one last thing is, one last thing uh, in the tradition of, you know, Simpsons Treehouse of Horror episodes, we got to come up with scary uh, or horrifying names. Uh, I vote, uh, for, for you, I vote Robert Skin Free. Uh, <laughs> All right. And uh, let's go with Benjamin Slay Cologne. So. You should go with Flay just because you can then pretend to be uh, aping Bobby Flay, that, you know, ginger. I'm not a big Bobby Flay fan, but that's that, that probably works, uh, you know, lyrically a little bit better. So, sure, we'll go with that. Uh, all right. So, for Benjamin Slay Cologne, I'm Robert Skinfree. Thank you all for being here and for tuning in. Uh, feedback is always welcome. You can follow us. Uh, you can find the Radlich and Broadcasting Network on Blog Talk, iTunes, and Stitcher. You can follow them on Facebook, uh, which is the best way to get consistent updates. Uh, so by all means, do all of that. Hope you will continue to tune in to other shows. Until next time, thank you again for being here. And as we, as the usual sign-off, please continue to be well, be safe, and behave. So say goodnight to the bad guys.